Hi, thank you for listening to This Ain't a Scene. It's a podcast. My name is Jackson, and we have our co-host Rumble here with us today, as well as AKA Harley. How are both of y'all doing today? Doing excellent. How I'm you doing? doing? Quite all right. Oh, getting over, uh, still getting over being sick. You're good. Oh yeah, I've been super sick as well. It's going around, man. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it is. I think maybe because people are starting to take health less seriously now since the whole COVID thing. I think it's just finally catching up to everyone. People aren't as diligent, maybe. I don't know. Not not to get political or anything, but... You're fine. Sick sick voice always sounds good on a podcast, though. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. Except for when you're, like, picking up a lung. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah that's been me for a minute like and i've been exhausted too like i'll go and just get up and grab a water or something that i need to take a three-hour nap just from doing that so like yeah it's nuts i mean it's, it's, it's a bitch i got my whole girlfriend's family sick which i feel really bad about <laughs> oh no so you got everybody just uh banging those vitamin shots oh <laughs> yeah I uh, have, have you ever taken one of those antibiotics that's like a pill that's like the size of your thumb? Oh yeah, those 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 are, fun. are those oh, are fucking terrible, and they taste the aftertaste is awful. But anyway, I live on gummies. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's I'll, I'll keep you good. But anyway, so Harley, even though I've been kind of involved <laughs> in the Tampa scene. I haven't really met you before. I don't know that much about you. So how long have you been doing um, AKA AKA Harley for just music in general? I've been doing the solo thing for probably about five or six years now. Oh, wow. How did that get started? Well, the uh, short story is I was doing broadcasting. And uh, after I left the uh, radio station. I I did that to start working towards my music. And I started out kind of just in the studio trying to find really what I was going for as far as a sound and uh, what kind of style I really wanted to do and making kind of videos here and there. I was posting stuff mainly on Facebook for like the longest time. And then I kind of took a little bit of a break and it's i guess this past uh probably two or three years i've been getting my footing again so you said you did broadcasting like that's really cool you you sound like you have a voice for radio so how did like what 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 did you do with that well how i got started was really a luck streak uh my girlfriend at the time uh well Brittany, still with her we've been together going on like 12 years now but at the time she was a hot dog girl at the harley davidson dealership and uh the salesperson who then later moved on to be a manager was at the harley dealership uh just trying to push some commercials on the dealership and Brittany had overheard her telling the boss there that they were looking for somebody. And then she kind of let me know. And just, again, continued luck streak. She, uh, she's like, hey, why don't we go down here and see what this is about? They're looking for somebody at the radio station. And uh, so we went in. And I just happened to run into um, Ryan, who was an on-air personality at the time. And he was just coming in off lunch as I was handing in my application. So the application got handed off to the right person. And then the conversation got rolling and one thing to the other. Next thing you know, I'm an intern at the board just running. Um, at that time, I was doing board op news and sports for the John Boy and Billy show. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that at like six in the morning. And then that just kind of snowballed into me doing uh, production there and then getting my own show. Started as a like late night show. I went from, I think, midnight until like 6 a.m. And then before I had left, I was uh, 
on air from like 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And I had like a all request lunch show. It was a really awesome time. Yeah, that does sound really cool. I always thought it'd be cool to get in the radio. Oh, dude, it was killer. And it couldn't have been any better of a time because we we somehow convinced the boss to let us be a live radio station, which now that's pretty much extinct outside of uh, like podcasting. Like that's really the only live scene left anymore. Like everything that's radio is now all pre-recorded. That actually, it was funny because for the longest time, people didn't realize. Um, yeah, I always think it's funny because I'll be listening like at my at my job. We we listen to the radio and stuff because we just drive these old work trucks and we have like a little radio that we play um, while we're working. And it'll be like, hey, this is Chad Kroger from Nickelback and you're listening to The Arrow Unfiltered Heavy Metal hard rock not not that pansy shit now here is photographed by nickelback and like it's just that every couple hours like there's no personality there's no like talk about the music or local or original music it's just radio has gotten extremely stale and it's really sad to see would you agree oh yeah well those um it was actually funny whenever i was doing the radio station we would have some of those uh like I don't know what they were called, but they were like uh, remote on-air personalities that we would like hire on for Phil, and they were basically like a corporation, and the the production manager or program director would basically kind of um, tell them what to say for the day or what their bullet points are, but if you like leave them hanging, they have like nothing really to go on, so they go for like the most just basic bottom of the barrel kind of thing to say because i mean i think they're just i think they're probably overworked with having to record so many stations because uh those kind of things there's a like it's almost like mcdonald's for radio but yeah the for the most part a lot of those breaks are pretty stale yeah, I would definitely have to agree. Um, so you've been doing music solo for a while now. I, I've i never heard your music. What would you say, like, the style or whatever that you're trying to convey is? I'd definitely say it's kind of um, 90s influence. I always joke and say if this was still the 60s, I'd be considered hard rock. But <laughs> now I'm much more mellow. So you've got this, um, you've got this EP out on... Uh on streaming services and whatnot. What is that? Uh, 808's Plaza? Yeah. What can you tell us about that? Well, I can tell you there's actually no 808 on it. <laughs> wow. Hmm. Oh, well, that's I feel like I've been lying to this. <laughs> yeah, I used a uh, Korg drum machine for the uh, program drum sections, and then I layered live drums over in the studio. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, it's a actually it's a uh Japanese drum machine. It's called the Korg ER1 or ES1. Mm-hmm. And I I love the thing. I got it on it's I, I'm one of those I love to go on eBay and I'll find something that is like broken basically cuz then you can get it for like $50. And so that's what I did yeah, the the volume knob on it, I have just duct taped because if it gets slightly moved, you can't hear anything and you got to sit there and wiggle it and toggle it and then get it in just the right position. <laughs> and I managed to get it turned all the way up and duct taped at full volume. <laughs> I mean, if it works, it works, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so did you, did you self-produce your EP or, did, or who'd you work with? I went down to Clear Track Studios in Clearwater, and I couldn't have had a better team of people. That I, I mean, it was just me and Spencer, the producer. He engineered it, but then there was Mike Johnson who uh, mixed and mastered it after I was done. But the overall experience was—I mean, it was something else. Going into uh, this big studio down there in Clearwater and. I had actually been there a few times before because whenever I'd set up a show for Tampa, some of the people who were doing the booking, they would have us like meet 
and we would meet actually at the studio. And one time I had seen Spencer and I don't think he remembered me, but it was funny because I had told him, I was like, I'm going to record with you one day. And I just eventually scratched together enough dough to be able to put down a deposit and just one thing to another. Then down there in Clearwater, got a hotel and took three days to do drums, guitar, and vocals. And Spencer and Mike really worked their magic on the EP for sure. Very cool. Do you, uh, do you play everything on the, uh, on the record? Yeah, I did the drums, the guitar, and Spencer did um, some program bass on Bonnie and Clyde and Anoxic because the bass that I had laid was uh, not in the right key and we were running out of time. But two of the other uh -huh. songs I did the bass on. And then I did the vocals, of course. But um, Chain Smoking, actually, Spencer came in on the keyboards there. And he mm -hmm. had just, I guess he liked the song. He really, uh, he was really vibing with it. And I, I was kind of just staring at the keyboard because I was like, I kind of want a piano part. Like, I feel like that would make this song feel a little more whole. And I'm kind of just looking at the keyboard, like nervous about being in the studio and don't really know much around the keyboard myself. That's not necessarily my go-to instrument. And then he's just like, man, I've, I've got something for it. Just um. So I set up the keyboard the way I kind of wanted the sound to be with the tremolo and the, uh, the tone that it had. And I, ha I have this like, again, this cheap little like, yamaha cp and it's got i think like three or four broken keys on it <laughs> so i'm sure that was also fun for him to navigate but <laughs> he ended up uh yeah that's how it ended up coming up with the uh the keyboard part on there spencer laid that down and sounded beautiful i mean he he ended up saying he he played keyboard for i think like 15 years or something so he was just a master at knowing exactly. He listened to the song, and you could tell it didn't take him long to figure out something that accented it so great. Yeah, very that, cool. That is really cool. Um, one thing I always like to ask, and one thing that's very curious to me is, what are some of the lyrical themes behind your writing? Uh, like, what what inspired this EP? Oh, there's, it's, um, it's always a good one that I always never seem to really have a straight answer for because it's so ever changing. I really, there's like Bonnie and Clyde, which, and well, now it's called Bonnie before Clyde, kind of like the courtesy thing of like ladies first or whatever, but, um, that was originally titled Bonnie and Clyde. And it was titled Bonnie and Clyde 17 because me and Brittany met at 17. And I kind of felt like it was always her and me against the world kind of thing. And so there was this point in our relationship before I had gotten into the radio where it was like, we're in this small town in Beverly Hills, and uh, we really didn't have much going for us at the time. She hadn't gotten to hairstyling yet, and I was pretty much trying to get my life on track from being not too great of an individual, uh, probably just messing around too much in the party scene and stuff like that as a youngin. And just w wanted to get my life together and it was like this feeling of like so do we run away together and do that whole like check yes juliet thing where we just like dip off into the sunset or do we stay here and try and make something happen and it ended up just kind of the story decided itself where we everything then kind of came together for us we got um i ended up getting the position at the radio station she had the hot girl uh, hot dog girl position 
the hot girl. She was the hot girl <laughs> at the hot dog station. But um, she got that, and then she decided she wanted to do hair. And so while I was doing radio, she was uh, doing hair school. And then we, yeah, we kind of got our lives together. And then life had different plans of just like making stuff a little more interesting. Cause then I, w- I was, um, after I was doing radio for a while, uh, my grandmother, uh, she had already had cancer and thought it was like beat and everything like that. But, uh, there's a, there's a longer story there with just my grandfather and everything like that. But, Basically, she needed somebody to caretake for her, and so I found myself taking on that role, and I couldn't really continue doing the broadcasting with how much that was taking from me and take care of her. So then that's kind of where chain smoking came in, was I was just kind of watching her you know, almost waste away. And one of the things was I was trying to, like, think of things positively because, like, in such a negative situation. And uh, that's where kind of, like, the whole don't miss me when I'm gone kind of thing comes from because, like, as she's just sitting there, like, she was a smoker, so she's just, like, puffing away those cigarettes because she she had kind of a depressive situation with her life i mean and yeah i could tell that she didn't really feel uh loved and so it was kind of this like she always loved me and stuff like that and i was probably always the little shining light in her life but I could tell she didn't necessarily have the life turn out the way that she wanted. And I think smoking was the way she was kind of trying to just get through it, maybe even speed things up a little bit. And so it was that kind of that uh, just don't miss me when I'm gone kind of thing because I don't feel like I'm really appreciated when I'm here. And uh, Anoxic kind of kind of was following that same theme because Anoxia is when you, if you die from that, it's death from lack of oxygen. So you can, you can have that happen to you many ways. There was actually like David Blaine recently talked about this when he did the hot air balloon thing i don't did you see that whenever he was uh he he or not hot air he held all the balloons and he like floated for like ever like super high up in the air like holding a bunch of balloons did y'all see that oh no i i never heard of that oh man it's something to check out i can't remember how far he floated but he was just like he wrapped he wrapped his arm to like a god-awful amount of balloons and just like floated up into the air and one of the things was he was going super high to where he had to like train his breathing because otherwise he would exactly that he would go hypoxic and so that was just kind of one of those fun things i came across the word in an old um old thesaurus and wanted to write I looked the word up of what its meaning was and kind of wanted to write a song based on the word I like to do that sometimes where I'll just I I think that's a fat mic from uh, NOFX or NOFX that's kind of his thing he loves to just like point at a random word in a thesaurus that he hasn't heard and try and write a song from it and then I really don't know where um I got any, I just kind of wrote Holly's Poison. That one is just, uh, that one's meant to be kind of the dance, the single on the album per se. Yeah, I mean, that's, that. I feel like that was a really cool story just hearing about all that background. Uh, I noticed that you released this EP about almost a year ago. Are, is there anything new in the timeline? 
yeah the the, yeah like the songs in general they they keep growing on me of like different because i'll listen back to them and i can find like new feelings in the songs always it's it's weird how like those may have been like some of the initial feelings that got me to write the songs but also i kind of always like people to delve into their own not necessarily go to those weird extremes of where they start thinking conspirat conspiratory type stuff but go into their own headspace of like what's the song really uh resonating within you because i feel like that's where we all really connect with different music i mean whenever we're either teenagers or older in life through relationships different stuff like that it all there's always a song somewhere that resonates with a moment of your life or a feeling that you have and that's why i kind of i really don't like to i don't think i've put out too much on what the songs really are about as far as like on instagram or anything like that because i do really like people to kind of, I don't want to also bum people out with some of the, uh, the darker stories of chain smoking and stuff like that. So it's like bummer. Mm. <laughs> and I like to, I kind of, I feel like when you bring your grandmother into a song story, all of a sudden people are like, ah, that's a, that's a little bit of a weird one. Usually it's just like girlfriend, it's like broken heart, and it's like you're singing a song about your grandmother chain smoking. That's a little bit weird. Yeah, I mean, like inspiration can come in all sorts of ways. Uh, like Rumble, I know you've been writing a lot for of Men and Manatees. Has anything been inspiring you lately? Um, really, I've been inspired by the music I've been listening to. Um, cause you know, generally, uh, I tend to listen to a lot of those like Midwest emo bands, uh, that are, that are fairly popular, uh, throughout the 2000s and 2010s is what I find myself listening to a lot. But lately I've been getting into the stuff I used to listen to, uh, with some of the older folk artists. Um, you know, I, I uh, been digging a lot more into Paul Simon and Bob Dylan and Jim Croce, which also led me to discovering some newer uh, folk artists. And it was just, it's really inspiring. I, and that style of music uh, really speaks to me in a way that's like, it's so stripped back that there's nothing really to appreciate except for the lyricism. And I thought that that was really cool because you know with those with those midwest emo tunes you know you got all like the twinkly guitar riffs and the weird time signatures and you know there's a lot of cool things going on but once you strip it back and throw it on an acoustic guitar and a very poorly played harmonica yeah <laughs> it, it really gives the lyrics an opportunity to shine which is kind of what i wanted to what i wanted to carry across with the project i've been working on as nice. far as like Oh no! Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna ask um, uh, the Jim Croce yeah. song. Uh, what do you have a favorite of his? Because I man, I love "Time in a Bottle." Time in a Bottle goes crazy. Um, <laughs> do I? Oh, a favorite Jim Croce song? I don't know. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of different songs for a lot of different feelings. You know, like Definitely. if you want to like listen to Jim Croce and shake my ass, I'm gonna turn on. Uh, uh, working at the Car Wash Blues. Um, but if I want to turn on Jim Croce and get really sad, I'll probably listen to Lover's Cross or something like that. Okay, nice. Uh, we've heard a lot about what Rumble's been listening to, but what kind of music do you like to listen to on your spare time, Harley? Oh, right now, um, most recently, I was listening to the new Jeff Jesse Murph cd which was a uh, drowning i don't know if y'all heard that but i listened to that and um and then uh cleopatra by the lumineers was another one that i've been having on repeat and been kind of going a little bit farther back and listening to the of monsters and men little talks album 
and stuff like that. Albums are great. Oh yeah, "Dirty Paws" is one of my favorite songs off that album. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, the Jesse Murph album, I gotta say, like I really, I really dig that. I, I'm really liking her voice on that album, and the again to the lyric content, it's really good. It's kind of a a little bit of a sad album, but it's got some definitely got some bangers on it too that you can dance to and kind of vibe out. But that that was one. If y'all haven't checked that out, and you kind of it's a little bit of a pop album, but I like listening to a lot of pop. I, I find myself listening to a lot of uh, pop music, honestly. It's weird. Because <laughs> I've always been one, whenever I was younger, I was always kind of more such a, like a hardcore punk into like suicidal tendencies and social distortion and uh, no effects and all that stuff mm-hmm. Avenge sevenfold i mean Avenge sevenfold was is still my number one band i mean nobody will ever nobody can ever take Avenge sevenfold's place at my number one spot i mean yeah <laughs> but i do find myself listening. what like uh i've met you a few times i've seen you play a few times i never never one time when i said yeah this guy loves Avenge sevenfold just based on your music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I mean, people can surprise you, though. I, I fuck heavy with Event Sevenfold. Oh, dude, I've seen them so many times in concert. I actually have M Shadow's signature. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I actually, um, it was a, I think there, I think it was at the Xmas Ball, the 97 Xmas Ball. And, mm-hmm. um, I had an old poster from Uproar Fest and the end of the show, sometimes he's, I've seen videos where he would sign stuff and um, I was just like, okay. Uh, One thing I always know, uh, my old mentor told me, he's like, always make sure you already have a marker with you because that's like the number one thing. It's not like their obligation to carry around a pen stuffed in their pocket ready to sign their fans' stuff. So it's like, always have a marker. So I had a fat Sharpie pen, and I thought it would be cool to have silver, but that so did, that didn't uh, work out so well as far as... Um, he ended up... Uh, I'll start uh, from the beginning, though. Um, so I'm the end of the show, I'm right on the rail, and... I'm like waving the poster and I, he sees it and he's reaching out to grab the poster and we're just like, I'm reaching as far as I can. And there's like, just like an inch. There's just like inches between his fingertips and the poster. And I'm just like, ah, come on. And then I just like flicked it a little bit and he caught it. And then he looks at me, and of course, the marker party kind of signs the pen symbol of just like, hey, you got something I can write on it? And I toss him up a marker, and it was a silver one, which I was thinking would be cool, but it ended up probably not showing up on the front. He probably tried to sign the front, and but I ended up getting the back of the poster signed. So I have, I cut, I actually cut that section just out of the poster and framed it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a cool story. Uh, I have a, I have a bunch of memorabilia from concerts. Uh, I have drumsticks from some of my favorite bands. I have a set list of one of my favorite bands. I just stole a set list from local performer Charlie Pace after her set. I just love to collect stuff. It's really cool to getting signatures and getting guitar picks and stuff like that hell i even have a drumstick that my friend cody threw at me during a show once like it's just really cool to have mementos from stuff like that oh yeah and he really he really went above and beyond to like get because like there's that whole like nine foot space or whatever between he was reaching so far and he really didn't have to like he could have just kind of like walked off stage and never even seen uh anyone and i was the only person i think that got anything signed that day and it was just uh might have been i think somebody else after that they threw up he yeah no he ended up using my market to sign a few t-shirts that then got thrown launched at him 
<laughs> but uh then i got my marker back which was also cool actually i got my marker thrown back to me but then somebody else snagged it and ran off <laughs> oh. <laughs> but that's okay but it was just cool that he just reached so i mean we we were reaching at full full arm length just trying to make that fucking connection of just like catch it please <laughs> I, I have a really fun story that I don't think I've ever had, had the opportunity to tell. I saw one of my favorite bands is called Picturesque. They're kind of like uh, alt-rock, whatever. And um, and I saw them open like as like the first opener to a bunch of other bands. So like they're not very big at all. They have like, and this is relative to like, because I know it, they're way bigger than anybody in our local scene, but they have like 10,000 followers and stuff. So like they're not big bands with like sponsorships and all that. And I had the gall to ask for a drumstick after their set. And like this, the fact that like it's just a basic like Vader drumstick or whatever that probably came out of the drummer's own pocket money. And the fact that he gave it to me anyways, and then mm-hmm. I got the lead singer to sign it, I got the guitarist to sign it, I got the drummer to sign it. Like, I thought that was just, like, the coolest shit ever. So, like, like little things that artists do can really make somebody's day, or somebody's year, or even. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Picturesque. I, I'm gonna have to check them out. Oh, they're super good. They just released a new song called Hopeless, and it's not I listen to a lot of really fucking heavy music and they're one of my more pop heavy guilty pleasures. Okay. Mm. Rumble, what were you gonna say? Uh at this one specific show I went to, I unfortunately I didn't get anything signed or anything like that. But there's a there's a specific moment that no one gets to take away from me. Um I went and saw it was at the Beecham in Ebor. Uh, and it was Jeff Rosenstock and opening for Jeff Rosenstock was, uh, one of my favorite bands of all time called Slaughter Beach Dog. Uh, I don't know if either of you are super familiar with, uh, Slaughter Beach Dog. No, I've heard of them. Check them out. If you're not familiar with Slaughter Beach Dog, you might be familiar with Modern Baseball. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Modern Baseball, when they broke up, or actually right before they broke up. One of their guitarists and songwriters, his name's Jake Ewald. He um, he started Slaughter Beach Dog as his own personal like solo thing. And when they broke up, he turned it into a whole band. And you know, I got to see him uh, not too long ago, maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, and um, they put they put out these really fucking stupid promotional videos for one of their albums a few years ago. And one of them was staged like a. Uh, it was staged like an episode of My Strange Addiction, but Jake was addicted to wearing a cowboy hat. And like <laughs> all of his friends were like, I never thought I'd know someone who would like it was it was fucking hilarious. And anyways, I was up at the barricade when Slaughter Beach was on stage and I saw Jake and I saw him put on his guitar. And I, I was at the barricade and I yelled up at him. I was like, Hey man, where's your cowboy hat? And he, he locks eyes with me. And into the microphone, he goes, hey, fuck you, man. And no one will be able to take that away from me. There you go. <laughs> the, the best part about that night is um, I went with my, my buddy Egan, um, which I, I know Jackson knows. I'm pretty sure you know, too, Harley from Send and Delete. Yeah, Egan. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we uh we left the venue and there's this alley behind the venue where all the all the vans were parked and everything and there was supposed to be a security guard posted there and he just wasn't there i don't know why but he just like i don't know took 15 or something and egan and i just wandered back there and met jake and it was it was fucking it was so cool and uh, i was like no hard feelings about the cowboy hat thing right and he was like, yeah. oh, shit, that was you? <laughs> he, he, was, he was, like, so apologetic about it. Super nice guy. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah, you can't bring up somebody's past addiction, man. <laughs> I know, I know. What a dick move on my part. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> yeah, there's this... And I, I hate that we're not talking about you, Harley, but I'll get back to it. There's this, oh, man, th- we don't have to talk just all about me. We can just have conversation. Okay, okay. So, um, 
I'm a massive fan of the band Silent Planet, and a lot of people know this about me, and I have a Silent Planet tattoo on my arm. They're like a metalcore band, but it's like super poetic and stuff like that. And their lead singer, Garrett, after every concert, he stays an upward of an hour to two hours behind the venue or outside the venue or at the merch stand, just hugging and saying hi to fans every time. And he's like a national touring act, so he sees hundreds of fans every show, hugs them. And and every time I've seen him, he's like, oh, hey, Jackson. I'm like, how the fuck do you remember me? Like wow. I like I'm on a first name basis with a guy whose band I have tattooed on my arm. Like that's just fucking nuts to me. And like we'll just catch up and chat and hug and it's just like the most awesome thing. So like that's that's a big reason why I'm just so gung ho about music and about the scene and about artists is because like you know shit like it's just yeah, really something like a, that. Something it, so it seems so small, but it's like somebody remembering you like that. It really, really makes you feel seen as just a a living individual. Never mind, just like you can their fan and stuff like that. The fact that he still remembers you like that—that's really cool. It's just such a communal experience. Music, like it's easy to think of artists as like being these idols, like you're so below them or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. like, the more I've worked in the music scene, the more I've learned, like, you guys, Harley and Rumble and Egan and all these other folks, and even in bigger bands like Silent Planet or Modern Baseball, they're, like, you guys are all just regular people. And that's, like, really cool, like, figuring out. And there's been shitty things about artists being regular people and amazing things about artists being being regular people but overall it's just really cool working in music and that's something i really love about this podcast as well oh yeah and the number one thing about being regular people we all make our mistakes (laughs) that's one thing that it seems uh the more popular an artist gets the less forgiving people really seem to be about them just making simple errors or miscommunications or stuff like that or just being a person Oh yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Um, so anyway, uh... <laughs> to, the hug, to the hugging thing, I totally one day I, I'm like I'm still waiting to find my way to get a post Malone hug. <laughs> oh, dude, oh that's, dude, that's like one of my dreams is to shoot post Malone. Like that would just be so fucking sick. Yeah, get a video with him. Yeah, and just take pictures of them. Like, I have just so many bands I just want to take pictures of someday, and I'm working on it. Like, I'm going to be shooting Knuckle Puck and Free Throw and Lauren Ashore real soon, and I'm stoked. Oh, dude, that would be excellent. Free throw? Yeah, if all pans out. Dude, I love Free Throw. Yeah, that's the same thing Egan said. She's like, you're shooting Knuckle Puck? And then I told her, oh, yeah, and I should be shooting Free Throw if all works out. And she's like, you're shooting Free Throw? And I'm like, yeah. Like, it's just, nice. I'm Dude, really I would not be able to maintain professionalism in that, <laughs> in that scenario. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly not a huge Free Throw fan, but Can't Swim is opening for them. And oh my god, I fucking love Can't Swim. Yeah. I definitely recommend checking them out if you haven't. Like, it's just some really fucking cool music. Okay, cool. I'll for sure have to do that. Yeah, so, um, absolutely. Um, so, uh, uh, real quick, so, before, um, before the topic changes again, uh, I want to address something Haley said earlier, where you were talking about um, listening to pop music and stuff like that. Uh, I was I was the same way when I like I feel like a lot of people when um when they're younger well maybe not a lot of people but um especially musicians like I remember going to like middle school and my friends would be talking about the latest fucking I don't know Imagine Dragons song or something because that's what middle schoolers listen to and I'm a musician and my dad was a musician and I would hear them talking about like the latest pop artist and being like man, you don't know real music. And I would turn on, like, Rich Girl by Hall & Oates. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is real music. And, man, like, the older I've gotten, the more I realize, like, holy shit, there's some bangers out there that I've missed out on. Oh, yeah. 
pop music has always been like that's one of those like for the longest time it was like almost like a hidden pleasure for me like i'd just be always just like i mean i always still listen to a lot like because i just listen to so many different genres but like if it ever came up in conversation it was like no yeah i listened to disturbed three days grace like shine down i listened to a day to remember polyphia mm-hmm. like just like trying to name the most like hardcore type stuff and it's like then i'm going home and in between all that it's like britney spears ariana grande <laughs> <laughs> no, literally like i'm listening to black pink <laughs> yeah dude like i don't know i feel like i feel like i'm starting to give off like goth vibes or like hardcore dude vibes but honestly like half the time like i just bought the the newest weekend record and i'd be listening to like uh the 1975 and um megan the stallion and yeah <laughs> shit like that like people just like i think the no- the number one disservice you can do to yourself as a music fan is paint yourself into a corner and be like, oh, this isn't heavy enough, or rap isn't real music. They're just, they're just mumbling, and yeah, you know, like pop music doesn't take talent. Like, then why don't you fucking do it then and make shit ton of money? Mine always also kind of came Literally. from that, that feeling of like, oh, I'm, I don't want people to think something about me and stuff like that or whatever. And it's just like you, same thing. You got to just learn to just be yourself and just, I mean. Most people, like you say, you're you're listening to the weekend too. It's like everybody's sitting at home, fucking bumping to Ariana Grande, and then everybody's going to school the next day, just like, yeah. So I'm hard as shit, and I just listen to all metal music. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we're all putting on this front, and it's just like everybody just got to be themselves and be comfortable. It's like the fucking music is music; it rocks. Yeah, absolutely. I really, I really liked your point there, Rumble. Um, that was a good one. Um, so, uh, I mean, Rumble's seen you, but I haven't seen you. So, for your live performance, are since you're a solo act, do you go up there with the acoustic guitar, or or what can you do for fellow? If you could describe for fellow people like myself that don't know what they're walking into to an AKA Harley show. Well, I've been. Um troubleshooting the live setup but i think i finally gotten it figured out because um there was a previous show that i had brought out because i i basically i have a loop station that i use but i don't do any live looping because i i've basically found a way to replace the drummer with the machine (laughs) and i have it um like verse chorus uh, and bridge set up in loops that I pre-record the drum patterns, almost like a backing track, but something that I can control instead. Because the I, as much as I love the artists that they have their whole cool thing going on with the laptop and stuff like that, I always find it like locked me into a box, and I really, you know, sometimes I want to go two choruses instead of doing just the one and just kind of vibe with the moment and i felt like with the kind of more laptop setup you really have to stick to the meter that the song's running to and if it's verse chorus verse bridge chorus chorus you've got to stay that the whole time otherwise the backing track's still going forward and i feel like you can't really find yourself in the moment so I found a way to make a loop station have uh, three the the RC three hundred. I use the three different pedals there to um, have like because I I realize for the most part for most simple songs the kick and snare pattern just the kick and snare alone is pretty much always the same if you listen to like a song verse chorus the kick and snare doesn't really change. Like, it's the fills and stuff that come in for, like, the chorus that are a little different. And so I kind of worked it out to where, for the verse, I'll have just, like, this basic kind of kick and snare and then have some stuff come in for the chorus, like 
maybe even uh, extra guitars or something like that that I layer up that just play like the rhythm part to where I can have more the full song just coming out at once without having to build the whole thing there also. And then sometimes I also just kind of um, do the electric guitar thing where it's just like just me and the electric guitar. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really cool. I really like your system with the loops or whatever. Um, I saw my friend Cody a couple of times recently and they do some crazy shit with loops. And I'm like, this guy's fucking insane because he was making all sorts of synth and drone and drone noises. And like, they were just sitting on the ground, just like tapping the, the, um, the, the quarter inch uh jack to to their guitar and all kinds of weird shit but actually remind me of a story about me and me and jordan from sincerely yours uh at the at his uh ollie show that rumble got stuck on the side of the road for oh no i want to hear the i want to hear the i want to hear the rumble story afterwards too but go ahead all right i'll tell you about that after jimixon yeah um we were just talking and somehow we got to the point of like backing tracks or whatever. Cause Jordan mentioned, we we're talking about how he has like a, basically like a, all kinds of instruments and shit that he's recording for the sincerely yours album. I'm like, well, why not just put it on a laptop and press play? And he's like, wait, you'll make a show for me. And I'm like, I don't know about that. But also if you do the laptop thing and have like a whole show set up, like you, like Jordan's a pretty funny personal guy, so he likes to like chat with the audience and stuff between songs. If you have like a whole show set up to like the tick and like trigger to a and trigger to a kick or something, like you don't really get to be as spontaneous or yeah, exactly with that. the crowd or just yeah. doing fun stuff. Like, and that's what made me think of that. I'm like, dude, like you're gonna have to basically change the entire way you perform if you do like a backing show with you. Yeah. That's what I always found is like where like the loop station, it's like I have the play and stop. So it's like, I can completely cut the drums and then bring everything right back in on time and everything like that. It really makes it to where you can have almost the best of both worlds where it's like you, you can have all these layered instruments that you pre-record at home and kind of set up and then, have like filters and stuff that go over certain parts. But then if I want to cut the whole thing dead in the middle of the song, all I got to do is hit one button at the top right or top left. And it just cuts everything immediately. And it'll also bring it right back in time, which is that's, that's the really nice little thing there. Yeah. And definitely don't get me wrong. Um, like I, I love all kinds of bands that have like backing shows on their MacBook or whatever. Like I shoot oh, yeah. chasing airplanes a lot and they're like a gent core band. So they have their bass on there and all kinds of synths and stuff. But, yeah. um, but you know, I'm just, I was just like, you know, like it really does change the way you perform though. Like you kind of, you're kind of fit into a box and s some bands like chase the airplanes are good to where they allot time for interacting with the audience and whatever. So there's definitely a way to do it. But otherwise, Rumble, yeah, that's a fun story about you, you Egan, and Mikey, and Jonas getting stuck on the side of the road. Yeah, let's hear this Ollie story. Okay, so, <laughs> Seventhly and Sincerely Yours were supposed to play at Ollie's in Cape Coral. Um, Harley, I'm, I'm sure you, you're good friends with Jordan. I'm sure you know that I'm the basis for Sincerely Yours as well. Yep. Um, so, you know, I'm expected to be there, not just for Send and Delete, but for Sincerely Yours, too. So, we, uh, it, from where uh, uh, Send and Delete resides, Cape Coral is about three and a half hours away. Not too bad. Yeah, so, not, not too bad. <laughs> too bad. I mean, we played up in Tallahassee before. That was even farther. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But anyways... We we hop in the car. We're already running a little late, but you know we were like, oh. we get all the way over the skyway. We're we're fucking racing down uh, seventy five, and we hear a really loud pop, and we're like, oh shit, what was that? And we kept going, and we heard another pop, and all right, and we we're like, all right, pull over. 
So we pull over, and our and the uh, the uh, driver's side rear tire was shredded, like down to the metal wire. Just oh no! Like, <laughs> so we were like, okay, okay, no big deal. We have a spare, so we get the spare out from under the car. We jack up the car, and Egan gets the lug wrench and realizes that the lug wrench is not the same size as the lug wrench. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> we, couldn't, we couldn't get the tire off. So we, oh. had to call a road, we had to call a road ranger. <laughs> that took, like, forever. The road ranger gets there, replaces the tire for us, fills up the spare, and she goes on her merry way. At this point, we're already, like, an hour and a half late, we're like, we're like, if we get there, we can still play our set. And we get back on the road and we make it 20 feet. <laughs> and we realize that our spare tire is full. Uh-huh. Oh my so, God. Oh my we God. don't know what to do. So Egan calls her stepdad. And her stepdad drives an hour and a half down 75 to come help us patch up the tire. At this point, we're like, all right, we missed the show. We're not getting to the show. So Egan's stepdad goes to pass the tire, tries to fill it back up, and it won't inflate. Turns out there's just a massive hole in the sidewall of the spare tire. So now we're like, all right, <laughs> what the fuck do we do? I call Jordan. I tell him, I'm not going to make it. You don't have a bass player to the And uh, so. Shit, where was I? Okay, yeah. The spare tire wouldn't inflate. So Egan gets in the car with her step with his stepdad and goes home. Jonas, Mikey, and Jonas's uh, partner, Val, who was with us, get a ride with um with one of their friends who came to pick them up. And so now there's me and my girlfriend waiting on the side of I-75. at night and I called Jordan and I'm like are you still at the venue and he's like yeah and I was like okay me and Sammy are stranded on the side of my 70 can you you give us a ride home and he was like yeah he was like yeah give me an hour and a half and I'll be there oh man (laughs) we're just waiting there and, and this is, like, my girlfriend's worst fear is being stranded. So she's freaking the fuck out. And I'm doing even this, like, you know, keep her calm and let her know everything's okay. And Jordan finally gets there. We get in the car and we go home. And Egan's car had to stay there overnight. Oh, man. And so Egan went back up the next morning to fucking, like, with a new tire to replace the tire and drive it home. Oh, and, man. oh my God, we, we got... Our tire pops like initially at 7.30 p.m. I did not get home until almost 4 in the morning. That's terrible. I spent Man. like 7 hours on the side of the Jeez. That's just that you want to go home and hit the pillow after that. Dude, you have no idea. I was so mad. <laughs> Oh jeez. Well, glad that you still came back from that all all, uh, all in one piece. <laughs> and, and and I have a couple yeah, of extra I mean... details as well. Um I uh I was in uh Jordan's van that he brought down for a reason with him and his drummer and um there wasn't much room in there, not even for him and the drummer. So I'm guessing if oh, I recall no. that was a tight fit for both of you. Yeah, but I mean I mean, that, that's just the nature of the band van. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm a big dude. I'm 6'4", so I had a little trouble getting the fat ass that thing. But she's she's small. She fit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that and, works. Everybody on each other's laps. Just kind of figure it out. Stack each other up. And then the other yeah, detail... Kind of the, <laughs> the other detail is that... So there is a bassist in, that lives in the Fort Myers area. His name is Brandon Dubois, I think it's pronounced. And um Brendan um Brendan is basically in every band down here. He's he's a bass player. So I think I think Jordan was just chatting with him and Jordan's like, You play bass, right? And just the way that Jordan talks, you wanna play bass tonight? 
Okay, cool. And and then and then Brendan just fucking played bass with like an hour's notice for the entire set. Just I guess yeah, big shout out to them tonight. Yeah, I guess just going off of root notes or whatever, but like I thought that was pretty hilarious. That's just the way that all these shows go. Like, like something always goes wrong in some way, and it's usually always extremely fun or extremely hilarious. I don't know if you've performed at Ollie's Harley, but I definitely recommend. Yeah, I have not been graced with the opportunity yet, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Hopefully have <laughs> not as such a memorable travel story. Yeah, I hope we have better luck than we did. I've made that trip up to the Newport Ritchie or even Tampa area from Cape Coral a million times. And knock on wood, I haven't ran into any issue yet. But uh, it's 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 hell. We had car troubles both times that we went to go Cape Coral. Both times we had car trouble. Yeah, I've just I'm I'm stealing everybody else's bad luck because because like there is also this story where and this was really cool. This band called Card Reader from New York, um, they they were supposed to fly down from New York, but their flight kept getting delayed and getting delayed and. The other guys in the band just gave up. They're like, I can't fucking do this because they're at the airport at like 11 or 10 p.m. And they're supposed to go on at 9 p.m. And um, but their singer is like, no, I agreed to the gig, so I'm going to go. And then the singer arrived at like 1230 a.m. at Ollie's and he couldn't get the TSA lock off of his guitar case. And then he had to borrow somebody else's guitar and everybody just sat down right in front of him and he did a whole pop punk set just solo on an electric guitar. And it was like extremely magical, but it just goes to show that something always goes wrong at Ollie's, but usually works out in the end. At least for oh, yeah. some of the people involved. I don't think it really worked out for Rumble in the end, but at least he got <laughs> home safe with his girlfriend. No, it didn't. <laughs> that reminds me of a David Lee Roth story that I had heard where they, they had broken down and they ended up, they had like a show in California or something like that. And they were somewhere in one of those Midwest states and they hitchhiked like two states or something like that to get to a, a, a gig because same thing, like the van broke down and just one problem to the next. And it's just like, man, the things that musicians will do for the gig is always so admirable. <laughs> yeah, it's it's absolutely oh, for insane. Sure. Yeah, then you have me, and I'm like, sorry, I can't shoot you guys tonight. I have a tummy ache. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not really like that, but, like, it's just, <laughs> it's just, you know, like, um, like, I was supposed to shoot Widows, um, on September 3rd, and I, I, I attempted suicide on September 2nd, and I was like, Johnny, I'm gonna get out of here, and I'm gonna shoot your band tomorrow. And he's like, "Shut the fuck up, dude! You're gonna be in the hospital." And I'm like, "No, no, no! I'm gonna try to get out and shoot you guys tomorrow." And then I was in the hospital for like five days. But you know, like it's just Shit. you do what you can. <laughs> oh man, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Just just put that out there. We're gonna date books at Ollie's, and we're gonna get there this summer. Yeah, I think you guys are going to be there in a week or two or whatever. Uh, March, was, March 17th. I was like, yeah, Egan messaged me and she was like, hey, we're going to be at Ollie's if you want to come out. And I'm like, are you going to pay me? And she never responded. But that's just how Egan <laughs> is. Bro, as God is my witness, we are going to get there on March 17th and I am going to have one of Dave's sandwiches. I swear to God. Oh, I'm still so mad about it. <laughs> well, I'll also be stoked to see you out there uh, March 10th Rumble uh, in St. Pete. That'll be awesome. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, let's, should... let's talk about that. that show. Yeah, absolutely. I, f- I almost forgot about that. And I'm going to be there, too. So come say hi to me. Hell yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, after this, we can... Tell us who's playing. Oh, I was just... Um, what was that? I can't really hear. Tell us who's playing. Tell us about the show. Oh, I'm just ready to fucking go down there and rock it. I've never actually been to this venue before, and so I'm I'm just gonna be meeting the guy with y'all. I've only uh, communicated Hell so yeah. far through the DMs, so it looks like an interesting place. Yeah, I've uh, it's like, it's, 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 it's 
It's uh, right down there in the uh, downtown St. Pete area. And yeah, it's at If I Brewed the World. I have played there once. In- okay, so what do you think of the setup down there? It's a, it's a really chill spot. Um, it's an outdoor stage. I actually have a really, really funny memory of playing there. Because um, uh, the inside area is really small. It's really, really small. And there's this big patio that, that you play on. But when we played there, at the beginning of the show, it was raining. So the, um, the first band that played, uh, I'm blanking on their name, which is unfortunate because they were really, really cool. Um, but they set up inside in like some corner and it was so ridiculously loud. And they did a cover of uh, Bullet with Butterfly Wings by Snatching Pumpkins. And it was fucking awesome. Like people were shoulder to shoulder watching this band. And then after they were done, the rain cleared, so we moved it outside. But man, it was it was a fantastic show. Excellent, yeah, excellent. Sounds, sounds like cool. something to look forward to. Oh yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, if you guys don't have any more questions, or if you have a couple more, shoot for them. Um, I was gonna say we. I gotta kind of wrap this up, and I gotta get to the store and do some shopping for dinner. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> Taco yeah, Tuesday. Um... So I okay. usually have one question, if that's all right, Rumble, that I'd like to end just about every... I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, about every episode with, and I like to ask, what's your best sales pitch to check out, a.k.a. Harley, at a show or on Spotify? Sales pitch. Oh. Let's see. I don't really think i have a sales pitch but i can say if you like rock music and you like something that you can necessarily vibe with like just kind of something that you can uh, either find a little dance groove whether it's on your couch or something like that or you want to listen to something in the car i mean that's a reason to always tune into the spotify but the show is definitely uh, something to see because it's a different dynamic than the uh, than the EP for sure. Because the show is always going to be something different, just um, whether or not <laughs> there's uh, some troubleshooting issue with sound or um, just the way that I go about each song is pretty much always going to be something different because i i like uh what frank zappa always said with uh guitar soloing like i don't there's some really good guitarists that they spend so much time practicing their guitar solos and they they get them nailed very precisely and that's like awesome but myself i just have a basic understanding of the guitar and the layout and I know that I have a certain amount of time to make something happen. And that's where there's that magic. So I just, uh, there's always something with the live shows that are a cool dynamic to come out and see what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good sales pitch. What, what do you think, Rumble? I think that was very solid. And, uh, and I know that every word of that was true because I've experienced it. Well, Harley shows are a sight to be seen. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I look forward to it. Yeah, everybody, come to If I Brewed the World in downtown St. Pete on March 10th and check out um, check out It'll AKA be. Harley, Sincerely Yours, and some other bands. And we also got Send and Delete and then uh, Held Up and Eat My Heart Out is going to open it up. And that's uh, their first show, so oh, I'm also wow. really excited because I'm all, I'm always excited to see the other. That's I mean I just went to a couple shows this past few weeks because I I always am excited to see the bands. So I'm I'm always an audience member as well as somebody who's happy to hop up on stage and do my thing as well. So definitely make sure to get there early and uh, see Eat My Heart Out do their first time. Hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've I mainly go to Send Elite shows just to see Bong Water. Everything else is kind of meh. <laughs> Send so and Delete, right. Send so and Delete right. is an excellent show. I love Send and Delete show. <laughs> that's always an that's always oh. another one that I feel is that you can say is also unexpected of 
necessarily how it's going to go. Yeah, but if there's one thing that's going to happen, Egan's going to break a string. <laughs> Egan's going to break a string. And then she'll be like, oh, this has never happened before. <laughs> and she'll but, probably make some joke about, like, this is our last show, and then we're going to break the fuck up. <laughs> well, anyway, I know you got somewhere to go, Harley, so thank you for joining me in Rumble today. I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too. Y'all have a good uh, rest of your afternoon and take care, and I'll see you at the show. Hi, thank you for listening to This Ain't a Scene. This is a podcast all the way through. As your host, Jackson, I'm going to give you a little treat to all you good boys and gals that stayed for the entire episode. Here is Standing in the Dark by Can't Swim. Would you know?